And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. And today uh, we're kind of going back to our old format that we've kind of abandoned the past few episodes of kind of starting with a quote and then uh, discussing why we think that quote is important to mindfulness practice. And the quote today is by uh, Dylan Marin, and it is, Empathy is not endorsement. Empathizing with someone you profoundly disagree with does not compromise your own deeply held beliefs and endorse theirs. It just means acknowledging the humanity of someone who was raised to think differently. And this quote comes from uh, Dylan does a lot. He's a a progressive activist who does a lot of what I consider very mindful, uh, progressive uh, podcasts and and videos online and, and blogs and his most recent project is he gets a lot of hate mail and a lot of hate tweets. And he discovered that with social media, a lot of these people that are sending you things, you can actually research and look up kind of who they are. And the people whose phone numbers he could find, he called and made a podcast of him having discussions with these people who have sent him hate mail and have claimed to really uh, despise him for his, I think, political beliefs and his sexuality and uh, many other things. Um, Yeah, but I think the quote is important because we've talked about this a lot, the idea that empathy is a way of seeking understanding so that solutions can be found and it doesn't necessarily mean that you are condoning or accepting behavior you disagree with or thoughts you disagree with Mm -hmm. yeah i i think that like i really like that quote um and i really like dylan's work and and i i like that he's shining a light on that that side of his work being out there as a um kind of activist content creator that that he gets all of this, you know, this negative um, feedback and this, this negative, you know, negative comments and things like that. Cause I think it's something that like we're aware of and it's become kind of the, like, I don't even know what to call it. Just kind of that like double-edged sword of the, of the internet and of social media platforms. And I think that there's been so many ways that people choose to, um, respond to it that I feel like this way was is so mindful and I haven't really seen a lot of this way. And I mean, I think like, this is not something that everybody necessarily even has the, um, emotional capacity to do themselves in that moment. You know what I mean? But I do think that like, it's so incredibly mindful to, actually reach out and have a conversation with people taking away, you know, this, the, the anonymity of just a picture and a comment, um, and actually really humanizing the person. And, and, and it's also, I mean, it's one of those things that like, I think we think we, we, I think the idea that empathy feels like endorsement, I think that that's a struggle for people that people really struggle with, if I'm empathizing with this person, then that means that I like 
get them, that I connect with them, that I, I agree with what they're feeling, I agree with what they're saying, and, and really that's not empathy at all. It, like what he said in the quote, empathy is about that humanizing and just being able to recognize and see that this is this is someone who has a different experience than me. Um, and so I really love that distinction that he made because I do think that like we need so much more talk about empathy and what it actually is and really kind of being more aware that um, it doesn't at all mean agreement or endorsement that it really is just about, it's really for you. You know, it's one of those things that I think that like, it's, you know, when you were saying um, to be able to get things done, I think we definitely need empathy to be able to have a conversation and move things forward, but also recognizing that things might not get done, but empathy in of itself is helpful for you to be able to kind of digest whatever is happening. Right. Yeah. For me, empathy is, is a form of understanding, but is rooted in the way I try to experience, it, at least it's rooted in both the intellectual understanding and the emotional understanding. Mm -hmm. So it's not just being able to say, well, and from an intellectual point of view i understand why it's also about being able to feel feel that common humanity mm -hmm. and understand the emotions that are behind the intellectual understanding mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense and yeah. i think what you i think it, it is difficult for a lot of people and i don't think it's different difficult for people to be empathetic i just think our culture teaches selective empathy yes. that we should pick and choose who deserves empathy and who doesn't deserve empathy and i i think what that ends up doing is it ends up doing exactly what we're seeing now where there's such strong divides and such dualism where it's me against you because there's no desire to understand what why the other person is behaving the way they are or why they feel the way they do there's none of that shared humanity we instantly say they don't deserve our empathy and what we do there is then we basically are saying they are not one of us they are not a human it's very it's interesting because i see it i mean everybody does it it doesn't matter if you're progressive or, or conservative it's just a, a cultural thing right. of selective empathy and i see it so mm -hmm. often where one side is yelling at the other to be empathetic but is not being empathetic themselves right so it's just it's this dissonance that yeah. i i think really has created kind of where helps create where we are as mm -hmm. a, a people yeah, with this giant kind of chasm in the middle and, and people are on very, very different sides. And I think that you're right that they we do teach selective empathy, that like you have to be worthy of empathy and depending on whatever your value system is and whatever you've been taught your value system is those who subscribe to that value system, those people are are um worthy of empathy and others than we, we otherize, uh, you know, other people. And, and, and that dynamic has been going on for, I don't even know, you know, as long as humans have been, have been here that, that we've been able to kind of do that, which is, which has created some of the most 
atrocious historical things in our history as human beings of what we've done to each other because we're able to see, well, they're, they're, they're not human. Um, you know, Africans are not human. They're, they're not the same as us. And so we can enslave them and we can treat them completely differently and, and take away children. I mean, it's like, this is something that that's, con that's allowed us to condone really barbaric behavior towards other human beings because people feel like, well, they're not, they're not us. It's not the same. And so I do think that that awareness of how we've all been subjected to and learned this selective empathy is, is really important and how to kind of decondition ourselves from that, that we have to be aware that it's there, that, that because I think you're right. There's a lot of times we're all, all, you know, decide to turn on the news and I'm just watching, like you said, the, the side screaming at each other about empathy, but there's no empathy for who they're actually speaking to. Right. And it's interesting because I think it's a weird dissonance in our own brains because I feel humans instinctually want to empathize with other humans. And that's why, I mean, we see it right now with all the immigration issues and the, the children being taken away from their parents and and seeing the conditions they're in and i have a lot of family members who support it because they that and as i engage with them you you hear it very clearly that what they are trying to do is they are rash they have to rationalize these people not being human before they can state what their belief is Right. So that's the base. So they're basically saying, uh, well, if the parents didn't do things illegal, yeah. if yeah, they're they're dehumanizing them and then they'll say, so well, I agree with what they're doing. But it's an interesting thing that almost everyone I've talked to who agrees with that kind of law, I guess, uh, does that. They don't just say, I agree with it. They have a need to rationalize the dehumanization first right, right. so there's something inst instinctually yeah. within us that knows that it if they're human we can't do that so we that's have that. to dehumanize them right yeah that's really fascinating um for me to hear that and to know that because i this is something i mean i don't talk i haven't talked to a lot of people just like face to face about the issue but when i do talk to people it's, I haven't heard people agreeing with it. And so I haven't really got other than pundits on the news and things like that. And then they're giving all kinds of reasons, but I haven't really heard from people, you know, personally what people's actual thoughts are and what, and what people's kind of thought process have of how they get to feeling like it's okay. And so for me, it's helpful to hear from you, which is why I think empathy is so important because if we're able to, empathize enough to have a conversation, then you can actually hear that and understand what's going on and realize, okay, well, this person isn't, it's not like, because there's this, there's this idea that if you don't think something is wrong with this, that you're a bad person. That mm -hmm. if you don't, that if you're not disgusted by this, then there must be something wrong. And I can definitely admit that I've struggled with that myself, but I also understand that when you're able to, like you said, first dehumanize and you feel like you have a good reason that this person is not actually the same then it does it it takes all that away it takes away that 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 connection that that human connection that we feel to these children mm -hmm. and, and people, so 
Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, and, I mean, people rationalize it in, in different ways. I've had some people do the whole whataboutism where they'll try to bring in Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton or what Democrats in the past have said, and it's not really relevant to to taking children away from like it's just not it's just yeah. their way of saying well i'm gonna focus on this over here so i've seen there's been a lot of different tactics for how they kind of rationalize it or avoid thinking about it yeah um, but it it all comes down to that same uh dehumanization and and kind of lack of empathy and i think the other problem with the way our culture thinks about empathy is we, and you've, you touched on this earlier, that there's an assumption that the empathy is for the person you are empathizing with. And, and there's not really discussion about what it does for the person giving empathy, which is the reality of it, it's beneficial to both people, right? So it allows the person who's giving empathy to really take a look without ego and try to understand the situation both in tech, intellectually and, and sometimes spiritually and, and emotionally. And it also helps, I, I think, the person, depending on where they're at, who's receiving the empathy, feel humanized. So then mm-hmm. a lot of times it's easier for them to connect and and to discuss and and to change their mind we've talked about this before about how if you're arguing with someone the first thing that happens is your wall goes up and it doesn't matter what what they say you're just a wall's up and nothing is getting through and really you have to learn how to break that wall down for, for someone and then you can actually engage and i see that even with the, the conversations i'm having about immigration is the conversations are good to a point and then the, a wall goes up. And it's normally when I start uh, bringing, there's a lot of misinformation around it, around the, the people being illegal and, and breaking the law and all these things when they're really not. They're seeking amnesty that using the legal route. And when you bring in the actual facts, I think it starts humanizing uh, th- these people. So then a lot of people who agree with what's happening then just put up the wall right away as soon as kind of the facts come into it so that's pretty much the vast majority of the conversation i've had with people who support it that's where the conversation ends when they start talking about things that are just completely facts not even based on context or you can kind of see it from different angles things that are just factually not correct Mm -hmm. um them being corrected on them is when they tend to not be able to handle it, which I find is interesting, but it starts to humanize people that they have dehumanized. So I also understand it and I don't push beyond that. I just kind of leave it where it's at and hopefully eventually stuff will kind of seep in. Probably mm-hmm. not, but maybe. Because <laughs> right. yeah, that, that creates that cognitive dissonance. Right. For them. Then it's like, you know, and, and for, for Many of us, I think a lot of times, unless you have a very like active mindfulness practice and have done your work, when something brings up that cognitive dissonance, immediately you do, a wall does go up and you do get defensive. But what I find is that when that happens, something is still happening and and, and actually a lot is happening. And so oftentimes 
those moments, those are the things that the person ends up reflecting on and thinking about later or having another conversation about or it coming up in other ways. And, and I do think that those moments actually can create change. I think that your ability to recognize not pushing past that is important because I think like when someone's wall does go up and you do kind of hit that defense trigger point that if you try to force your way past that, then it's kind of any progress that was made can kind of dissolve. And like, because at this point you're humanized with that person and you're kind of on a a level of, of empathy with each other. And so when that wall goes up, it's like, I think that's, I think that's actually okay, but I think that a lot of times what we do is we kind of want to push past that and kind of try to like force our way in and then things kind of really just can go left. Right. I think the importance with a mindfulness practice for me is, I mean, I've never met anyone who doesn't practice selective empathy. Like, I, I mean, I think it's just instinctual and, and I think it's because it's an emotional and intellectual process. So there's many times where I'm angry or I'm frustrated and I'm already feeling an emotion so strongly that me em- em- embracing someone else's emotion and trying to understand it's just not rational and my wall goes up and I go away. Mm-hmm. But then my mindfulness practice allows me to reflect on that and see what what stopped me from being able to be empathetic in that moment, what what had me so uh, upset or so so frustrated. And then I can kind of work through it so that Next time I'm in a similar situation, I can attempt to do better and and actually engage my my empathy in the moment. And it's it's just like everything else in mindfulness practice. It's it's a never ending work in progress. Yeah. And I think that's important to remember because I think a lot of people just either think, well, it's hard, so I'm not going to try or they think they should be. Uh, transcended to a, a place that is for where they're at unrealistic to attain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had something else to say and then I totally lost it. <laughs> I had another point. I was like, I don't know where it went. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting because this is kind of off topic, but, uh, I, I think I can. I think I can bring it in. Uh, there's been a lot about. I've been just reading a lot about the the fake news issue in social media and, and not checking sources. And it's it's interesting because I've been doing a lot of research on the the different generations and how they deal with it um, and how that is really. And I, I mean, I'm just doing the generations in, in broad strokes for the, the purpose of this. Clearly, it's not every single person, but generation wise, it's it's actually much more of an issue with the older generations than it is with millennials and Gen Z's because I think the younger generations have really grown up with social media their whole life. And there's there's two things that kind of either happen. Either uh, I think a good portion of young people are apathetic to it, so they don't bother looking at it anyways. Um, and the ones who do engage don't trust anything that's on the internet, so they tend to automatically google it or at least look through the comments to see if anyone's fact checked um where i think it's the older generations who and i don't know if it's if it's just a difference in when we grew up or if it is like because they didn't have technology until they were older that Mm -hmm. tends to share 
most of the fake news or just kind yeah. of believe things at face value online. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting then to see that uh, politically, because I think what w- what I see in the younger generations is a very clear split between people who are incredibly apathetic and people who are much more empathetic than ever before. Um, And I do think that the people who are much more empathetic than ever before is a smaller amount. I think more people tend seem to be apathetic to a lot of things. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting that in the generation, there seems to be such a, a big divide where I don't see that in in the older generation i see much more um caring about the topics but less uh rational thinking about them right if that makes sense yeah Yeah, no i i totally that makes a lot of sense and it's funny because my my mom and i have been talking a lot about the older generation and younger generations and how they consume information and take in the news. And this is something that, that she and I have actually talked about that, that the older generation is, is used to growing up in a time where there wasn't like, there wasn't an opportunity for people to just say, put out thing, you know, articles and things that look real and look like they're fact-based and they're not, you know I mean? These were things came out in publications, things were, researched and vetted there were news organizations now people can create their own news channels at home people can write anything that they want and i think that the older generation is not used to having to like check everything and and fact check and and make sure that the stuff is true they're used to you know i see it in print it it you know it, it sounds like a news story it must be a news story and i do think that that does create um actually this space where there is more ability to kind of influence people's selective empathy based on misinformation, just kind of going back to what we were talking about that, that, you know, with, with, with empathy, if you can just put out information that's completely not true and influence people's minds about it, then you take away that space where they can empathize and, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it adds to that divide. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, there's a generational, shift with you know or or a difference in in that yeah and i think it's interesting too because i think it's uh yeah i can give an example i think a lot of times that there's an an agreeance on uh, a problem but a very big diff uh about how you uh i don't want to say fix the problem but uh react to the problem so (laughs) with uh fake news there's i think among anyone who's really engaged there's now kind of a mistrust of mainstream media. Uh, just, I, I think it's varying levels to people who just don't believe anything they say to people who just are aware that there's a corporate bias and, and to each media outlet. And what I see, uh, it's funny because my, me and my dad have a lot of conversations about it because we both, neither of us really watch mainstream media because we just don't trust I don't trust it for different reason. He just thinks they're making everything up because they hate Trump. And I just see them being biased and, and often only presenting certain aspects of context. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I go look it up, it's, I see, Oh, there's actually a broader context to this. Right. Um, and the way we respond to it is that's what I do. So I'll go, I know what news um, 
alternate news outlets I trust that uh, source everything that I can go actually look up. And that's what I do. He mistrusts mainstream media. So basically, he just gets his media from his friends who post on uh, Facebook and believes whatever they post. Mm -hmm. So anything that's an alternative to mainstream media, he just takes uh, at face value. Right. Um, So it's just interesting how there's an agreement on what the problem is, but then how we react to it is so vastly different. And I think it's because of what what you said. I mean, I remember in a, in a high school, I had a class on how to Google Scholar and, and find like legit scholarly uh, reliable sources on Google. An entire class on it. I had I had to do it again in, in college where mm-hmm. I think the older generation didn't have that. So they yeah. literally yeah. don't. And I think it's just what's habit, right? Because there's so many times I'm talking to um, my my parents or just someone from the older generation who's like, is this true? And I'm like, just Google it. Like, you can literally find it. It's the first thing like that pops up when you Google that article is why it's completely fake and all these things about how it's fake with actual sources. Yeah. Right? And then the fact that and it's funny and I give them a hard time, but it's just I think completely different in the way you view the world where that's my instinct i see something and i google it uh just to see what what other people are saying if there's better sources what what's there versus other people who literally think oh this might not be true but i have no idea how to even go about knowing if it is or not right right yeah and i mean it's like that with everything i think with the generations you know me and my mom i laughed when you said just google it because me and my mom have that conversation and we laugh about it because um you know i had an iphone for much longer than she did and so i was just used to anything you know any random information or any question that would come up i would just google it and she was she would make fun of me like you just google everything you just want to look everything up in that, you know, in that phone of yours. And then now she has an iPhone and she's been an iPhone user now for years. And so she Googles everything. And so it's just funny because it is something that it, it takes time to get there, but it also, there is an ability to change that mindset and to kind of, to, mm-hmm. to, to recognize that you do have access to that, that information. And I also think that people who are of an older generation, but are, close with either their children or their grandchildren and are connecting with younger people on a regular basis. Actually, I find that seem to make that shift a little bit more than, you know, than others that maybe aren't close with young people or don't have kids around or whatever, where they're still kind of stuck in like the, I need to have somebody give me this information. I can't just access it myself. It's like, we're just so used to being able to access information you know, and then I look at my niece who's 22 and it's like, you know, I think that I'm used to doing that with everything, but she spent her entire life being able to do that. So, you know, it's really, that's what excites me about the younger generation and where we're going is that, you know, it, it there there is such an ability to access information and to find out what's true and to, to and it's, it's empowering if you use it wisely. Yeah, it's funny that, uh about your mom because my dad does the same thing he calls me a know-it-all all the time because whenever he says anything i won't even respond i'll just instantly go on my phone why? and start looking it up and he's like why are you looking it up <laughs> it's like i want to know if you're accurate right. or not 
I don't want to just respond without knowing if what you're saying is true. So now, yeah, he's starting to slowly, as he got a smartphone and stuff and sees it with me. Now, when I say something, he'll go look it up because he wants to see if I'm right or wrong. And see, he's becoming a know it all too. Yep. We all be know it alls. We all have Google. (laughs) So, do we have uh, any homework? Hmm. I I mean, I guess I want to know how, I don't know if this is really a homework question. I'm just kind of thinking about like, how do we, how do we empathize more? Like, how do we increase our capacity for empathy or how do we, how do, how can we become aware of our own selective empathy? Right. I don't know that that's a journal question or a homework question, but that's just kind of what I'm left with after this discussion is thinking like, yeah, we are all conditioned to and subject to that self, that selective empathy and like, where are my, where are my pitfalls with that? Where, where are my mm-hmm. blind spots? Yeah. Yeah. I think too, it, whatever the, the mindfulness practices, if you're meditating or if you're journaling or if you're doing yoga is, yeah, just, I guess, reflect on. Uh, exactly what you're saying on a time where you maybe weren't very empathetic mm-hmm. and kind of just dive into why you weren't able or unwilling to be empathetic in that situation and mm-hmm. what you could have done to have allowed yourself to be more open to empathy, to being empathetic. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that's that's how it all starts just be curious about yourself and why you do the things you do that's all mindfulness is (laughs) (laughs) okay well uh hopefully we've had a big break i was in new york and you were in chicago and all the stuff was happening but it's summer so hopefully things kind of relax a little bit and become a little more slow i could use some slow time to just reflect and hopefully we'll be back next week. Yes. We'll see you guys soon.